really drives me as a business owner and as somebody who is like a part of Kula is hearing stories about people who maybe found Kula because of the product itself. And what I hear all the time is, you know, I showed up because I, I wanted a pea cloth and I never imagined that I'd end up, you know, dancing every day. Welcome to Peak Pyrography, the wood-burning podcast, where we discuss artistry and process with creators in the wood-burning and pyrography community. I'm your host, Justine Fetty. I was introduced to wood-burning in 2020 and haven't put down my burner since. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this episode, or give it a rating on whatever platform you're using. That's a great way for you to support the show and help me continue making it. And now for me to help you... I know that inspiration for creatives can sometimes be a stumbling block. So this week, I offer you an opportunity for a challenge with a one-word prompt. This week, the word is coconut. I encourage you to create a piece inspired by the word and share it on Instagram. But since Instagram recently removed the recent tab from hashtags, make sure to tag me at Peak Pyro Podcast. I'll share some of your designs in my stories next week. Do you have an idea for a prompt that you want to have featured on the podcast? Do you want to help inspire your fellow creatives? Share your prompts and I- your prompt ideas at peak-pyro.com prompts. And now for today's episode. Every month, I like to have a creator on whose primary medium is not wood burning. This month, I was joined by Anastasia Allison, the founder of Kula Cloth. Since I started this podcast, I have been dreaming of having Anastasia on. I've been following her through her company, Kula Cloth, for years. I've watched countless Insta stories from her and have always been amazed by her mindset and the energy that she brings to the world. And fun fact, it was actually because of a class that she hosted during the pandemic that I was introduced to wood burning. This episode was a true treat to record and is filled with so many good nuggets for anyone, but especially for small business entrepreneurs and those of us going through a transition or feeling the pressures of life. And as an extra bonus, this week only, Anastasia is offering a discount for listeners of the podcast. Use code PEAKPYRO10, all caps, for 10% off at KulaCloth.com. And now for your listening pleasure. Anastasia Allison. All right. Hi, Anastasia. Welcome on Peak Pyrography. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am. I'm so excited to have you here. You've been one of the people on my list that I'm like, I really want to get Anastasia on as my like once a month non wood burner who I have on and talk about business and creativity and other things with you. You've been like at the top of the list. First off, I'm honored. And secondly, I am really excited because that's exactly what I love talking about. And it it's so interesting. You know, I, I talk to so many wood burners and so many different people and everybody's perspective on it is so different. And I take something away from every conversation. Yeah, it's like a collaborative learning. And I feel like even as a business owner, you know, somebody who started my own business about five years ago, I have shifted and changed so much in the last five years. So I feel like, you know, Anastasia from five years ago was a very different person than, than <laughs> what I am today. <laughs> yeah. And it it's only been five years with Kula? 
Yeah, I started Kula Cloth in July of 2018. Um, oh. And yeah, I started it out of my guest bedroom, actually hand sewing prototypes. And I, I opened the website officially in July of of 2018 and it's sort of been off to the races ever since then. <laughs> so you're about to celebrate your fifth birthday. Our fifth birthday. I think that, you know, I was just looking this up, up the other day. I believe our very first order ever on our website was on July 20th of 2018. Okay. So that's, that's your fifth birthday party. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and are you going to have a creepy Victorian cat themed birthday party? We would have to have a creepy Victorian cat themed birthday party. I don't exactly, I haven't quite come up with a plan yet, but it'll probably <laughs> involve cookies, dancing and creepy cats. <laughs> I, I mean, that's right on brand. Yep. <laughs> and who knew that that would be on brand for a Kula cloth? I, you know, I'm the founder of the company and I did not know that would be on <laughs> brand for a Kula cloth. If you were to have asked me five years ago about all of the things that have sort of bloomed organically through this business, I could not possibly have predicted that for you. In fact, very early on, you know, when Kula was really just an idea there's a lot of kind of naysayers who show up, especially in that early stage of starting a business. And one of the things that people would often ask me is, what's your business plan? You know, they wanted to know this like perfect plan that I had to get my metrics right and, you know, numbers and stats. And I'm very different than most business owners, at least in the traditional sense where I don't spend a lot of time focused on numbers. Rather, I focus more on like how I feel and what type of energy I'm bringing into each thing that I do. And while I did have like a plan, I'm definitely more of a go with the flow type of person, because I think that leaves me open to the infinite possibilities of what could happen. Instead of saying specifically, these are the things that I want to hit and this equals success. I'm more focused on like a bigger vision and like just being open to how that could happen. I mean, I never could have predicted a creepy cat. Nobody could have. <laughs> no, no. And, and that's a, that's a meme that's kind of shown up in the last couple of years on your, on your social media, right? It is. Yeah. And we, so we honestly posted that on a day when we were struggling to find something to post on social media. And I had seen this picture of a cat. I thought it was funny. I love cats. And we, I think captioned it, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's a cat that's wearing these sort of Victorian pajamas and he sort of has this like glossy eyed stare into the distance and I think the caption that we we put on it was something like when your friend grabs your Kula cloth and asks what is this right because a Kula cloth for anybody who doesn't know is a pea cloth so if somebody grabs it uh, and doesn't know what it is, usually they're relatively shocked, you know, when you tell them <laughs> like, oh, I use that to wipe, wipe pee with. Uh, so we posted that meme just because we thought it was funny and people's response to it was really overwhelming and unexpected. And 
we kept posting it because that almost became the joke was that we kept posting the same thing, which is sort of a, you know, a social media no-no. And at that point, the cat had taken on a life of its own and kind of became our official unofficial mascot. <laughs> and and it's super cute. And you've got, you've actually put him, him? You put, you put the cat them. on them. <laughs> you put the cat on pants. You've put the cat on kulas. You've put the cat on just about everything you make. Yes. Uh, you know, I think it was an episode of Portlandia that had the sort of joke, put a bird on it. Well, the joke for Kula Cloth is put a cat on it. <laughs> just everything gets a cat. Just, just put a creepy cat on it. And, you know, I love the creepy cat because it kind of embodies this sense of whimsy, unexpectedness, playfulness, a sense of like, you don't need to follow the rules. Like you can do funny things and have fun with your business and not do what's expected of you. You don't have to do traditional things and that can actually be to your benefit. And also, I think that the cat is just representative of this like creative fun side that lives within each of us. You know, the cat, I feel like everybody and nobody can identify with this cat, right? You know, if we had a, a picture of a human as a part of our mascot or logo or something along those lines, you know, people identify with certain aspects of being a human. Um, and they might look at an image and say, okay, I can identify with this, this person, you know, based on what they look like or how they act or what they're interested in. But the cat kind of removes all those sort of things that might be obstacles to, to <laughs> feeling connection, right? Because technically nobody can really relate to it. And so it's to like, a cat. yeah, so in its, in its, non-ability for anybody anybody to really identify with a cat we kind of all do so I I like that about the cat yeah that's super fun and and that it's kind of gone from you know just being a meme to being like part of the branding and stuff that almost everything you send out has has a creepy cat hidden somewhere inside of it there's a there's a cat hidden everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, I love to get a name story. So where did Kula Cloth come from? The name itself? Yes. So I was in the process of trying to come up with a name for the product. And that's pretty important. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're stuck with it. And I, what I really sort of looked out into the, the gear world and the hygiene world. And I noticed that a lot of hygiene products kind of had like a jokey name to them, right? Like it sort of was a little funny, which I think is fine, but I felt like, you know, there's going to be enough potty humor around the product to begin with. Like what felt good to me was trying to find a name that didn't instantly sort of elicit this sense of jokiness around hygiene because hygiene was something that was really important for me for people to be able to have a conversation with and feel comfortable talking about it. I also wanted to create connection between people and have a brand name that maybe made people think of 
like adventure and fun and playfulness, like not necessarily P, right? Um, right. So one of the names that I had been kind of playing around with in the beginning was the name The Wink, because I loved the idea that if people saw you on a trail with this product, that they might notice it on your backpack and kind of give each other the secret wink, you know, kind of like how that, like up nod or exactly like I know what that is, right? There's this instant yeah. connection. I ended up listening to a podcast with Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. And in that podcast, Sarah just happens to make this kind of offhand comment that when she was naming Spanx, somebody had told her that a hard K sound was really memorable. And I was sitting at my kitchen table and I turned to my trusty Google search and I typed in the search phrase mountains that start with K. And the very first mountain name that popped up was this mountain in Bhutan called Kulakongri. And I had actually been to Bhutan the previous year to go on a trek. So it kind of felt like I already had a connection to this word. Then I Googled the word Kula, just, just the word Kula, and discovered that it is a word that is in so many languages that I can't really count. Like there's so many different translations of Kula in so many different languages, dozens and dozens of languages. But the one thing that was consistent is through every single language that Kula is a word, all of the meanings were things that felt like they were uh, things that I wanted to really embody and embrace in my company. So for instance, in Sanskrit, the word kula means community. Um, in Hawaii, the word kula means golden or school. There are other languages where kula means other sort of similar things, but it's all kind of revolving around the idea of like goodness and connection. And so as soon as I saw those things, I instantly just knew that this was the name for the product and oh and and that fits exactly with where you started to where you've gotten five years later Kula all those definitions fit really well it it really does you know and when people think about Kula yeah it's a pea cloth but the first thing that people think of isn't necessarily pea uh it's something beyond it's the that yeah, it's the trail flare. It's the up nod when you're you're hiking a 14 and you're like, hey, nice Kula. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard of people who you know, have met friends on the trail, new friends, because somebody they recognize somebody else with a Kula. And what really drives me as a business owner and as somebody who is like a part of Kula is hearing stories about people who maybe found Kula because of the product itself. And what I hear all the time is, you know, I showed up because I, I wanted a pea cloth and I never imagined that I'd end up, you know, dancing every day or going to these fun events or learning a new skill through the Kula Academy. And so really what I see is that like Kula is the way that we can initially make that connection with somebody. And for some people, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a piece of gear and that's sort of like 
the extent of our relationship. Um, but for other people, we also have opportunities for them to discover something else, maybe a deeper connection with themselves, a deeper connection with nature, a deeper connection with others. Uh, and that's the stuff that like really excites me. It's like the, the parts beyond the gear, the gear is really cool, but then there's also like the parts beyond the gear. Yeah. That are the, the gear is the way in and then let us, the, the gear is the wardrobe and then let us show you <laughs> the rest of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel so lucky that I have met some of my closest friends through Kulikoth and other people that I know through Kulikoth have met some of their closest friends through Kulikoth. And I'm just consistently amazed at the like collective goodness that it continues to create in the world. And I honestly, I just feel lucky that I get to be a part of it. Well, and I think we're all lucky to have you, I mean, facilitating this. Because, I mean, you, as you've said, you started as a piece of outdoor gear, a pea cloth, and then, like, you you were kind of growing and things. And then during the pandemic, you opened up the Kula Academy to support small business artists who couldn't do teaching in, in person. And I'm sure there were other reasons. Yeah, we started out the Kula Academy actually with just a game of of Pictionary, uh, believe it or not. I think that was the first class that we ever had. And it was- So it was like a way to just get people out of their like- Yes. <laughs> pandemic of, virtual meeting world with another virtual meeting, but different, different people. It was a different, it was different. And it was meant to just be something unexpected and fun, right? Like adding an element of playfulness into an otherwise- scary and confusing situation for a lot of people. I think there was so much heaviness in the world that giving yourself the permission to like just play Pictionary with a bunch of strangers for an evening was kind of a gift for people. Uh, and so we started with the Pictionary game. We started doing that and then realized that there were a lot of artists and instructors out there who had these incredible skills and weren't able to use them. They were, you know, looking for a source of income at that time, and we had an amazing audience already, and so we kind of opened that up to the Kula Academy and started teaching online classes, and, you know, that was in 2020, and here it is 2023, and we're still doing the Kula Academy, so uh, it's just fun how things kind of evolved. Yeah, and so you've the, you have the cool academy and you've been working on uh, your cat a different kind of cat your cool abundance tour yeah so the the cool abundance tour started out as just a beach party at deception pass state park in washington last year we had a beach party and i am the type of person who just sort of like gets these ideas and then i run with them and i I got my start in the outdoor industry as a park ranger. So back in 2004, I moved to Washington State to become a park ranger with Washington State Parks. And I got to serve as a park ranger for about seven and a half years. And if it had not been for my experience with Washington State Parks, it is not an understatement or an under exaggeration when I say that Kula cloth like would not exist. It was 
through my connections with other park rangers that I learned how to climb mountains. I'd learned how to go backpacking. I was able to make connections with nonprofits where I got started teaching backpacking. And if all of those pieces hadn't lined up, I would have never, ever been in a position to even have an idea for a pea cloth that I would have turned into a piece of gear. And so my gratitude for state parks and for that experience and, you know, sort of the home that that job gave me for about seven and a half years is, is pretty, pretty great. Um, And so for me, the cool abundance tour was really about giving back to parks. So we're hosting these events all over the state of Washington. And then a hundred percent of the proceeds are being donated directly back to the park, which has been pretty cool so far. I think we've donated, I'm, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know that it's probably up over six, six or $8,000 at this point back wow. to, back to parks. So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. And, and to have those opportunities to bring people out and just have an outdoor party with all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life and, and to give back so that those parks continue to be around. Amazing. Yeah. It's pretty rewarding. And speaking of amazing and rewarding, you are on day what of your dance experiment now? So today is my 889th consecutive day of dancing. I started dancing on uh, January 1st of 2021. And I, I don't even know where the inspiration really came from. I had done a silly video for Kula Cloth pretending to be one of Britney Spears's backup dancers. If you follow the, <laughs> the, the Kula Cloth Instagram, you know that we do some silly stuff on there. Um, and I realized that when I was out there dancing, I was having fun. I felt a sense of freedom and silliness. And I'm one of those people that was always pretty uncomfortable dancing. You know, I'm the person who would tell people that I couldn't dance. I would sort of be a wallflower at weddings. I was worried about what people thought about me and how I looked, if I was doing it right. And, I I think a lot of those sort of insecurities were probably cropped up at a pretty young age. I was bullied as a kid. And so I had a lot of, of just general insecurities about looking in front of other people. Um, as I'm sure a lot of very relatable experience, Yes, a lot of people probably have that. And so sharing videos of myself dancing was so far out of my comfort zone that when I first started doing it, I actually turned it into a joke. So I was listening to, you know, whatever rock or pop music in my headphones, but because I was so uncomfortable sharing a video of this, and to this day, I don't even know why I was like brave enough to share a video, especially in the beginning. Uh, I took the little clips of me dancing and I set it to smooth jazz music like Kenny G <laughs> because I remember thinking to myself, people are going to be laughing at me anyway. So I might as well just like beat them to the punch and like turn it into a joke. Right. Cause now we're all sure. laughing together. Um, and then you're controlling it a little bit. I was controlling it. Yeah. Right. It felt like I was in on the joke as opposed to to putting something vulnerable out there and being blindsided by, you know, being made to feel bad. And so 
I, you know, started sharing this. Well, I think it was about two weeks in and I had been dancing every single day with no expectations. I wasn't doing this for fitness. I wasn't doing it like to learn how to dance. It was just literally free movement and like feeling the music and doing whatever felt fun. And two weeks in, I just was feeling like so alive and so happy and so much joy. And I remember thinking, what is this? Like, I feel amazing. And one of my beliefs about running a business and just about life in general, not about just business, is that the energy that you are radiating out into the world is simultaneously what's coming back to you, right? Like you are a magnet and what you focus on is what continues to grow. And I realized that as I continue to focus on this good energy that I was creating while I was dancing, I was noticing feeling happier in general. I was more creative. I was having fun. Like, I don't know. It just gave a sense of lightness to everything that I was doing. And so I never stopped. And 889 days later, I'm still doing it. And not only am I doing it, but I have about a hundred people a month now who join me. We have morning dance parties and at 6.30 AM every day, there's a whole bunch of us dancing together on Zoom just to see what happens. And, and, and that's 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. So Pacific time, got, yes. And you got people across the country joining in for that. We do, yeah. 9.30 Eastern or somewhere in between for Central or Mountain. Yeah, we even have people who live in Australia and they will, we send out a recording every day. So we have a bunch of folks who live in time zones where it would not be possible for them to be awake <laughs> um, while we're dancing and they do the recording later. But we've had people from Scotland join us. We've had people from France and Australia and, you know, people from all over the world. I think uh, the last time we actually did a tally, we figured out that over a thousand people have danced with me in the past, uh, I guess it's been 18 months now that we have been doing the dance experiment as a group. Uh, and so not only has my own personal dance experiment been a really beautiful experience, but being able to share dance with others has been pretty special and unexpected. Great way to connect with people. Great way to, uh, I mean, even if the people you're connecting with are your kids, yes. which I, you know, I logged in for some and brought my kids and we spend Saturday morning dancing around the living room and it's perfect. Yeah. I love seeing parents and kids dancing. I know that there are parents out there that do the dance experiment in the morning while they're getting their kids ready for school. And it's just such a positive, like fun way to wake up. And I just feel because the playlist is different every morning and every morning, and you've got a different host every morning. So, so it's not all on you. And cause you've been dancing, even if you can't make the 6:30 a.m. recordings. Exactly. So this morning, for instance, I did not attend the dance session, not because I didn't want to or wasn't available, but sometimes my feet need a break from the hard floor in my little dance studio. Um, and so I actually danced on my own up on a gravel road near my house. So I I have not missed one day in 889 days. It, you know, and I always tell people that I can sum up 
my dance experiment experience with just a few words. And those words are every day deserves dancing. And there have, I would say over the past 889 days, there have been some very low points in there. There have been some very high points. There has been a whole mix of everything in between, right? It's life. Everybody is just sort of constantly going always on that roller coaster, the roller coaster. And even on the lowest of lows, you know, I think we tend to associate dancing with only joy, right? Like, oh, you know, you can only dance when you're happy. And what I've discovered is like, no, there have been days when I have been very sad or very frustrated or very worried. And those days, those days, especially even the dancing has been so helpful to have because it has a way of like bringing me out of my headspace and back into my body and just being in the present moment. And I think ultimately like that's, that's like, of course, the practice of life is just coming into the present. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that like that, that has helped you through some hard days and are there days that you're like, Oh, I got to squ- I, I haven't danced yet. It's 9 PM. I'm going to go do my five minutes of dancing or however long. I, I have literally done that before. <laughs> like I'll just be, I, you know, I, I feel so fortunate that I love what I do so much that some days the doing work doesn't ever really feel like work for me. And so I will sort of get sucked into it and be kind of in the flow. And I will always find a time, whether that is, you know, out on my back porch at 9 PM to just fit in a few songs to dance to. It always just kind of brings me back to myself and gets me out of that busyness. I one of the the ways that I like to do business is a little bit different than, than most people probably when most people feel like they have a lot to do and they get really busy. There is this tendency to think, okay, if I work harder and faster and do more, you know, I'll, I'll get it done and, and I can relax later, you know, I'll be peaceful when all this huge list of stuff is done. And what happens is you're resonating this energy of busyness and chaos. And that to-do list just becomes this seemingly unending task list. And it just sometimes feels like more and more stuff just keeps piling up. And so what I've learned is that if I can take even a couple minutes to step away and change my energy, whether that's dancing to a song or doing a short meditation, um, or just standing outside and looking at the sky, it shifts and changes my energy. And then everything seems to move a little bit more easily after that. Perfect. And, and, and so it's meditation, it's standing outside. Like those are things that are very accessible for so much of a majority of us that you can just, I mean, even if it's staring out the window or Exactly. Yeah. And I think something like meditation, unfortunately, people think that they have to have, you know, oh, an hour set aside to sit in silence and that they need to be in this spa-like setting. And I don't think that that's true. I think meditation can literally be as simple as like taking four deep intentional breaths where you're 
present in that moment, like noticing that you're breathing or feeling your heartbeat, whatever it is, right? Like just being totally present, not in your head, worrying about the future or ruminating about something in the past. The practice of meditation is just coming back to yourself. And you can do that in less than a minute. Um, and in fact, when I was still working prior to starting Kula, I would set aside time to do one minute and two minute meditations because that's all I really felt like I had time for then. Um, now I do a meditation every morning, anywhere from you know 10 to 20 minutes. Sometimes I do a little bit longer, but some of the best meditations I've had have been in busy, noisy places too. So it, it, it's all about just being present exactly where you are. So that, that could be sticking your headphones on or maybe even just sitting there in the middle of a busy uh, train station or something and listening to everything around you without like focusing in on the conversation. Yes. Busy. Some Actually, I one of a meditation that stands out to me, and it's sort of a meditation, it was like a standing meditation, was on a city street. I was just kind of sitting on a corner waiting for something. And I just kind of closed my eyes for a few minutes and just like listened to the sound and like felt the energy of the life around me. And it was the most beautiful experience. And it reminded me how often we miss out on that beauty because we don't take the time to actually notice that it's there. Sure. Yeah. And so after that, when you come back to doing whatever busy, stressful thing you were doing, it is it does that feel more attainable and you feel like you're refreshed, even if it was a minute, two minutes? Absolutely, because I'm just less in my head. And a lot of the feelings that we all tend to struggle with, right? Like none of these are new feelings. They're we all experience like the same stuff, right? Fear or doubt or worry or scarcity or frustration, right? Like these are all things that if I say those, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Most of them are kind of, I like to think of them as like a computer program that's just running automatically in our brain because we've trained ourselves to do it so often. So for instance, there are certain things that will happen throughout the day that will have a tendency to kind of trigger those feelings within me. And if I let it do so, I could easily go down a rabbit hole of worrying and projecting out to this, sure. this imagined future where everything has gone wrong and I've failed and you know, like worst case scenario. And I recognize that that's not helpful in any way, shape or form. And so what I will do is number one, recognize when I start doing that. And then number two, I try to disrupt that computer program from happening. And that sure. can be through a meditation. I tend to repeat poems to myself. Um, so, it, you know, of which you write many of which I, oh man, I write a lot of poems and I've been writing poems since I was a little kid. And the fact that I get to do them now as a part of my job is a, kind of a full circle thing for me, because as a kid writing all of my quote, silly poems was something that I was told and subsequently believed, well, you can't, you can't make a living 
right? Like you can't make a living writing silly poetry. There's only one Shel Silverstein. Exactly. It's really hard to do that, right? Right. There's only one Dr. Seuss out there. And and there are, you know, there's one Shel Silverstein, there's one Dr. Seuss, but that doesn't mean there can't also be, right? And that's has always been super interesting to me. That's been super interesting to me is that we as creators, we look at other people who are quote doing it and we immediately say, oh, I I can't do it. You know, I'll never be a Shel Silverstein or I'll never be a Dr. Seuss. I guarantee you, if you were able to ask both of those humans, like if that was the message that they wanted people to get through their work, I would venture a guess that they would say no. They would want people to say, wow, Shel Silverstein made a living writing these whimsical, funny poems, which means I can too. Like they were opening a door to show this is possible for people to love something, to follow their path, to do the things that inspired them, whether that's wood burning, whether it is writing poetry, whether it's making pea cloths. The second you stop telling yourself that it's not possible, it becomes possible. And it's suddenly, yeah, something clicks and you change it and you're doing a podcast. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, I look at people out there who are quote doing it as door openers. They aren't preventing anybody else from going out there and doing something. They're saying, no, the door is open. You have to step through it and follow your heart and not cut yourself off from the infinite ways that you can express yourself. And well, that's and, and so much that's, better of a way to look at things. <laughs> it it absolutely is. And that's something we say so often within the wood burning community is, or there's a lot of conversation about community over competition. And that's that same idea. Rising tide lifts all ships. You know, we can all kind of get something from this. Yeah. Well, you know what I found so interesting when I was kind of first starting out, this is even before Kula Cloth, I was trying to figure out like, what was I going to do in the outdoor industry? I had sort of like cast these visions out into the world, but I really didn't have much proof. And I looked at other people who were out there kind of doing the thing, right? Like whatever their thing was. And it was intimidating at the time. And I, you know, a few years earlier, I, if I am being completely honest, I would have looked at some of those folks, probably specifically like a a woman like me, somebody that I could like see myself as. And I was jealous a little bit, you know, like how did they get so lucky that they're like doing this really cool thing? And, um, and again, I sort of discounted myself and said, well, I probably, I'm not good enough. I probably can't do that. And what I found so interesting is that when I really started like getting out of my own way and kind of making forward progress towards the things that I wanted to create in the world, the people that were like so intimidating to me or the people that I really admired, they were the first ones in line to help lift me up. You know, the people that I had said like, oh my gosh, like this person's so intimidating. Oh my gosh. Having Anastasia Allison on my podcast would be like, (laughs) Yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah, people, you know, and that's 
our job as entrepreneurs and as creatives is to lift each other up. You know, there are people out there now who are continuously lifting me up and now I'm in a position where I'm able to use what I'm doing to lift other people up. And it is a cycle of good that continues and continues. And, you know, it's like people pass that to me. I pass it to other people, right? Like you will pass that to other people and you are. Well, and that's the energy that, that you were talking about earlier. The energy you're putting out in the world is the energy that comes back at you. It is. And it's remarkable once you realize that. Um, I'm somebody who spent a very good portion of my life focused on what, what I believed was wrong with my life, the things that I wanted to fix. Uh, most people don't believe it when I tell them that I was a unbelievably negative person. I was a complainer. I was always, you know, if there was a circle of people complaining about something, especially at my job at the time, prior to starting Cool Cloth, like I would have been just like right there in the middle of it. <laughs> like I had something to say, I was going to complain about this. And what I noticed eventually, it took me a while to notice is that the more that I complained about things, the more that I focused on the stuff that was wrong, the wronger it got, right? Like it, the worst it got, the worst it got, the worst it got. And the more that I focus on all the things that needed to be fixed, they just never seemed to get any better. And, you know, for me, it took this kind of cataclysmic event to shake me out of that and to get me to shift my energy to energy of gratitude and appreciation and love and kindness. Not that I wasn't a nice person, but it was like my focus as most of us are, right? We are trained to be very problem focused. Like I'm going to focus on the problem. I'm going to fix it. If I quit my job and go somewhere else, then things will get better, right? We're always trying to fix external things that we think we have control over in order to feel better. And it ends up being this sort of totally wild game of whack-a-mole, right? Like the second you whack one thing down over here, something else pops up over here. And so you end up just yeah. sort of frantically whack-a-moling things to, and trying to control everything outside of you in order to find a sense of peace and fulfillment. And what ultimately that suffering forces most people to start to do is to number one, recognize that the common denominator in all situations is them. Like the common denominator in all of my drama in my life, in all of the things that I was complaining about, in all of my situations that were causing me like distress, it was me. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. Um, it's better for me to even say it because I know <laughs> that there's probably people who are like, I don't want to hear that. Um, but it was really only when I started to look within myself and change the energy and the focus within myself in an intentional and deliberate way that my external situation began to change in a meaningful and permanent way. So all the stuff that had been whack a mole up 
you know, as I became more peaceful, as I started focusing on gratitude, as I started having a meditation practice, as I started appreciating others and uplifting others, as I started pursuing those things, suddenly I wasn't like changing anything about my external situation, but it all changed because I was no longer in resonance with chaos, right? Like sure. I it, internally, I was in resonance with peace and fulfillment and love and connection. And as a result of that, everything in my life started to change. Opportunities showed up that were things from my, my wildest dreams. You know, it was like the right people at the right time just popped into my life and things worked out. And I can't even begin to like put myself in the shoes of that old Anastasia who looked at the world through a lens that was very cloudy. <laughs> um, and it's like, once you begin to change and heal internally, you can't ever see the world like you did before. Sure. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That absolutely is. Uh, amazing and I the, that you made that shift and that you are aware of the process and how it's all kind of impacted you that, that's really fantastic really cool and I appreciate you sharing that story even if there were moments that you're like oh, I don't really want to say this yeah <laughs> yeah yeah transformation well, let's, let's transformation real, is tricky <laughs> it, it really really is yeah. and we're going to take a real quick break here and we'll be back in just a moment sounds great This week only, Anastasia is offering a discount for listeners of the podcast. Use code PEAKPYRO10, all caps, for 10% off at KulaCloth.com. All right, and I'm back with Anastasia Allison of Kula Cloth. Hi, Anastasia. Hi. Uh, normally, I'd come back from a break and ask people how they kind of balance their their self-care and their work. And I feel like we've we've talked a lot about that already. Yeah, I feel like people probably have a good picture in their mind of what is a really important priority for me. <laughs> yes. And, and you I mean, you take care of yourself first and then everything else falls into place. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolute number one priority is taking care of myself and my own energy. I have a lengthy morning routine and, you know, everything else falls into place after that. And, and that's a great way to do it. And to, I mean, that helps you get through the low days and helps you get through the high days and hit, hit all the, hit all the marks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's, we've covered a lot of that and with Kula cloth, it's not just you. There's, you have some employees and you have other people that you work with and you, there are all of these things that you do. Has there been a lot of stuff that you've like had the idea for started and then it's kind of fizzled out or has there been stuff? How do you, how do you maintain all the different aspects of everything? You know, your social media posting, your Kula Academy, creating new stuff, supporting artists through some of your competitions and, um, other ways that you've been, uh, and, and then selling the product, shipping it, marketing, you know, all of that. How, what does that kind of look like for you? Well, 
It is a lot of work and I don't do it alone. I am getting better and better at kind of knowing when an aspect of the job is getting to be a little bit too much for me to handle by myself. And honestly, I, I do a lot and there are certain, you know, everything from ordering the raw materials, uh, which, you know, I mean, people don't think about that, but I'm placing orders for snaps and straps and thread and bags and labels and packaging supplies. I mean, the, the, the amount of things that you have to kind of juggle at all times, if, if you try to think about it all at once, it can be somewhat oppressive. <laughs> um, yes. So I definitely think that what has helped me is like trying to figure out like, okay, which of these things is something that I could delegate out to somebody who works with me, or do I need to hire somebody to do that? And oftentimes we get scared when the idea of hiring something or, you know, contracting something out to somebody else comes up because especially early on in a business, and especially if maybe you're just getting started, you don't have a ton of capital in your business, or you're just like a small business owner, it would be easy to say something like, well, I'll save a bunch of money if I do all of the bookkeeping myself or something along those lines. However, if bookkeeping or dealing with money is not something that makes you thrive creatively, is that hurting your business, you know, sure. uh, and for me, I knew from the beginning that if I was spending time on Excel spreadsheets, calculating things that I would not have the creative energy to focus on like the big stuff that's fun. So I would say really when you have just a ton of stuff that you've got to do, try to find the things that you love to do the most and do those first. Um, so, you know, creating content for social media. I love doing that. I love writing. I love writing poetry. I love doing creative things. Those are the types of things that I want to really prioritize. And then what I'll do is try to look at ways that I can have the folks who work for me help out with other things. Um, and, if it kind of comes down to it, I'll have a list of, you know, these are the tasks that I need to get done for today. The other really important thing that I do is I cut myself off from working, um, which is something that would be very easy not to do because honestly, I could work. As a small if, business, it's really easy to. Yes. It's in it, your house. It's right there. Exactly. I could work all day if I wanted to, and I have made it a priority to spend a significant portion of the end of my day, particularly, and also on the weekends, like actually having time off. We tend to like impose this urgency on ourselves as business owners that like things need to be done by this date. And I, you know, yes, there are certain things that have deadlines. I understand that, but like also there's deadlines that we just impose on ourselves and create unnecessary stress that can be harmful and cause us to be in this state of energy that just attracts more of that stress into our lives. So if I find myself feeling overwhelmed, 
I will go do something that doesn't give me that feeling. I don't just like dig in and work harder because I know that it'll just be sort of this downward spiral and I will not end up feeling good. So that's when I might take a break or dance or, you know, just notice like, Hey, okay, I have a lot of stuff to do right now, but what, you know, this is from Eckhart Tolle who wrote the power of now, what is my life situation right now? Like in this moment, and I'm not talking about the life situation in my head that's telling me that I have 17,000 things to do. I'm talking about my life situation right now is that I'm sitting here on a chair talking to you, you know, right. and I'm, and I'm breathing and my heart's beating. And that is literally it at almost every point of every day you are sitting, standing or lying down and you're breathing and your heart's beating. And so if I find myself going into overwhelm, I kind of bring it back to that. And then magically things seem, seem to get done. Um, <laughs> and I have really amazing folks who work for me, who care about Kula as much as I do. And that, that's something that I couldn't do this without. I mean, this is not a single person show anymore. Um, this takes a whole team of people to make it possible. And I just sort of see myself as hopefully providing some guidance for the ship. Yeah. And I mean, that that's so hard sometimes to say this part's not serving me, but there is somebody who would love to do that or can help me with that. Yes. And, and you can start small, you know, I have somebody who is paying all the bills for Kula now, which was like kind of a exciting thing to release for me. Um, because that was taking a lot of my time to like sit down and like physically write out checks to people. Um, sure. It was taking me away from all the other stuff that I needed to do. And what's so cool is that when you like, really look at how you're spending your time and do an energy assessment of like, where is my energy going? And, you know, I always start with a visualization of the best version of myself. So if I envision and anybody can do this. So, you know, if you're a wood burner or an entrepreneur or a podcaster, whatever it is, like envision the best version of yourself, like in whatever capacity that you can. So if you are a wood burner running a super successful wood burning business, or you are a podcaster getting millions of listens per episode, or if you are a gear company owner who, you know, has this global gear company that's making an impact on millions of people, like take the time to actually close your eyes and see that person right like right now see yeah. who they are like what are they doing how do they act how do they talk what are they wearing how what are their mannerisms like what are they doing with their time and then once you have this like clear picture of that best version of yourself like look at how you are right now and ask yourself okay are there things that i can change about what I'm doing right now so that I can begin to embody the energy 
of this like better version of myself. And I did, I do this all the time. And I feel like every time you do it, you're like giving yourself an upgrade, right? Like you're upgrading your operating system. I did this a few months ago and I kind of had a very eye-opening realization that I was spending way too much time using social media in almost an addictive fashion. And I realized that like a lot of my energy was getting funneled into this imaginary world in the palm of my hand and that I was feeling a sense of disconnect with the real world around me. And so I decided I'm gonna go cold turkey on cell phone addiction and not go off social media because I actually, believe it or not, enjoy and love using social media, but the parts of social media use that I'm going to go cold turkey on are the parts that nobody sees anyway, right? Like obsessively checking my phone. Nobody sees that. The only person that that affects is me. Um, and it was, believe it or not. So did you turn off notifications or? Yes. I turned off notifications. I, um, am completely off of social media. I like, went cold Turkey on the weekends, like from Saturday through Monday, I don't let myself use it at all. And I will admit the first couple weekends, it was embarrassing how much of like a physical impulse it was like like reaching for that phone. Oh, I, yeah. And like in every single solitary moment that wasn't filled with something, instead of just being in that moment and like appreciating the everythingness of life or like being outside and just being able to appreciate a lake, you know, or appreciate something. It was like, it needed to be filled with like, oh, this has to go on Instagram or, oh, I need to check to see if something's happened. And it was a physical impulse that I noticed. And I was really, it was very eye-opening for me to, to see and feel that within myself and what's so cool is that I, you know, had this clear vision of the better version of Anastasia and she very clearly was not scrolling Instagram, you know, for three hours a day. That's not the best version of myself. And so I decided like, okay, well then I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm still going to be there because I care about it. And I love connecting with people authentically, but I don't need to spend like 17 hours a day, like looking at things. And, and so it has been really cool ever since I stopped that suddenly all this creative energy that was like kind of being dumped in there was freed up to do other things. And so since I, kind of made that change in my life. I've launched this new sub stack where I'm writing and um, starting a couple different classes. And I just feel like time has slowed down a little bit, right? Like, cause every second of my day is not filled with something. There's little pauses. And so I would totally Number one, recommend that if you are like me and struggling from a cell phone addiction to um, consider thinking about whether or not you want to really commit to pulling back from that. And then number two, use that newfound freedom to discover these beautiful pauses in your day. And as you begin to discover the beautiful pauses, 
you will start to see that your life, even if you have a lot to do, it starts to feel more and more calm. Like you are just handling one thing at a time, at a time, at a time, instead of like feeling like you're living in this dream world where you've got to like handle 75,000 things at a time. Like today, for instance, um, you know, it's the beginning of June when we're recording this. And to give you an example of like what the founder of a pea cloth company has going, <laughs> going on in their day, I have a fabric order that basically went to our manufacturer and they had some issues with the fabric. And so I'm having to reach out to the fabric printer. Then I'm simultaneously trying to coordinate a order of about 50,000 bags, like packaging for the cool cloths. Then I'm trying to order new cool cloth straps. And I'm having a hard time doing that because their credit card link won't work on the invoice. <laughs> and then I get a call from my manufacturer saying that they forgot to tell me that they're out of snaps, but we have this pending REI order that's huge, like thousands of cool cloths. And so they can't do it. And then I have like a hundred custom coolers that are getting printed. I have to have a newsletter out tomorrow. Right. So like if I sit here and like actually think about that, I'm like, whoa, that's like, that's like a decent amount going on. And so it would be really easy to think to myself, you know, my husband and I had talked about going to a park tonight and taking our motorcycles for a ride, but I don't have time to do that. Cause I'm going to go do this other stuff. And I, I won't let myself do that because it's the, the motorcycle ride and spending time outside, just like laying on a beach that is going to help me to solve, right? Like, and it's not like I even have to solve anything. It's like, I just sort of have to like mitigate it, the it flow. It dis disrupts that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, It disrupts it. Exactly. It totally disrupts it. And it's like, if my energy is the energy of peace, then I can trust that I will be inspired to take actions that are going to be in alignment with the solution. If I am in a state of chaos and focus on the problem, then I am attempting to solve a problem by focusing on the problem and the problem and the solution are two different things. Um, so I always try to tell people if you want to allow a solution into your life, you have to like energetically emanate solution. And solution for me is always peace and fulfillment and ease. Solution is not busy, stress, frustration, anger, <laughs> right? Yell yelling at people, right? Like that's not solution oriented. And it is a different way of looking at, at how to handle something because most of our internal reaction and like how we have been sort of conditioned to react is like something goes wrong and we get reactive and we snap. Like, how could you do this to me? And, and then now no problem gets solved, right? Like, sure. because people are just mad. <laughs> <laughs> And so it is, let me tell you, it is, it's a, I feel like some days my life goes at like a million miles an hour and, but I also wouldn't really have it any other way because 
it's such a such a crazy adventure and I really enjoy it. It fulfills you and it does. It makes you happy. Yeah. It it does. That's amazing. Well, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit here and play my favorite game here on Peak Pyrography. I am very excited for a game. <laughs> so the this is this game I call it it's a deserted island. So we're gonna drop you on a deserted island and in your case it's gonna be a little bit different, but typically we'll leave you there with a couple of supplies and it's just you in the deserted island for a while. You know, usually okay. it's a wood burner and a nib and type of wood. Okay. But I, I, mixing it up for you a little bit. So instead of dropping you on a deserted island, we're going to drop you in a state park. Okay. <laughs> um, so you get to pick which state park you go to, um, which backpack you're taking with you, um, which nut butter is in that backpack. And then you get to pick one other piece of outdoor gear other than a Kula cloth to take with you. Okay. I'm glad you said other than a Kula because I, I, because I, obviously my brand that's loyalty. like, <laughs> that, that's obviously like already attached to any backpack that you could grab. Okay. It's just assumed that it's there. Um, yes. so, okay. So if I was going to a state park, um, I would, I know exactly which park I would pick. Um, it is the park where I was a park ranger for seven and a half years. And it is Tawana state park on the hood canal in union, Washington. And it is a beautiful little park. They have this amazing trail that goes through the woods that not many people know about. So if you're on the hood canal and want like the best kept secret and all of like these <laughs> beautiful little hikes, it's, it's really cool. Um, so I would definitely be at Tawana State Park. Um, for a, a backpack, I am, let me see, I'm pretty attached. I have a, a Granite Gear Blaze pack, which is like a, a sort of their women's line of backpacking backpacks. And that's the backpacking pack that I've been using recently. And I also, as a side note, just really appreciate the people from Granite Gear. They really encouraged me in the very early days of Kula when I still just had handmade prototypes. And <laughs> I remember going to their booth at Outdoor re Retailer and they were like cheering me on, even though all I had were just these handmade Kulas. And they have continued to be one of Kula's biggest cheerleaders. Um, so that type of support from like a company who in my mind had like already made it. Yeah. Like that's priceless when you're first starting out. Um, nut butter, I would probably choose now, maybe this is cheating. Uh, but I have be, been a real big fan. There's a company called oat house that makes an oat butter. Uh, and they have a birthday cake oat butter that is, <laughs> I mean, it's like the stuff dreams are made of. And I, <laughs> I add extra sprinkles to it. I mean, um, why, why wouldn't you? Why? They make I, everything I better. I add sprinkles to everything. So I was how we get my toddler to eat peanut butter toast. Oh, it put sprinkles on it. No problem. Mom. I feel like sprinkles kind of solve most, most problems. <laughs> 
that's, yes. that's what that's what I should just start doing from now on. Oh, my fabric order is running late. I'm just gonna put sprinkles on it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It, I can't somehow fulfill it will get this solved. order from REI. Here's some sprinkles. <laughs> Who needs snaps? Here's some sprinkles. Here's some sprinkles. I love it. Um, so I would definitely take the oat house nut butter. Um, and then what was the last? What was the one oh, other piece the out, of outdoor, outdoor gear. gear? Oh man, the piece of outdoor gear that I would take. I, oh man, I would probably take a pair. Oh, this is tough. Maybe a, no, because I could just make a pair of trekking poles out of a stick. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm thinking, I'm thinking too deep, too deep into this. Um, I feel like maybe a jet boy, I could just build a fire. Now I'm, now I'm getting, now, I, now you're really into it. <laughs> I know I'm like oh, majorly overthinking this question. Okay. I feel being practical. I'd probably take a water filter because I would want to actually drink water um, yes. <laughs> without having to boil it all the time. And I am a huge fan of the, I believe it is the Katadyne um, bee free gravity filter um, because I hate squeezing and pumping. (laughs) Um, so you can (laughs) just have it hanging in your camp and then you have water accessible at all times. So I feel like if I had nut butter and water, I, I'd be, I'd be pretty good. You'd be set. I'd be set. I'd be set. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Um, and then I love to have a moment here where we just do some shout outs and some community building and who are three accounts that you think everybody should be following because, what they're putting out there is the energy that we all need in our lives. So I have a couple and these are all folks that I know and I'm really proud of what they have accomplished. So Miranda from Miranda goes outside. Miranda used to be the um, REI YouTube channel host and until she kind of went out on her own and is an independent YouTuber now. And we got to meet each other in the early days of COVID. Uh, My first time meeting Miranda was on a virtual interview with her. uh, And we've since become good friends in person and spent a lot of time together. And it has just been so cool to watch her flourish. And she has such a genuine desire to like bring the outdoors to people in such a kind hearted way. Like she, I've never seen somebody who cares so much about the people who watch her channel. Um, so if you're not following Miranda goes outside, Miranda's incredible. Um, the second account is my friend Merrick from, who is the founder of a company called Rology that makes, uh, they sell a whole bunch of self-care products now, but Merrick started with a cork ball that's meant for like rolling out while you're backpacking and hiking. Uh, um, there's but, one under my table right now. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're incredible and life-changing. They've saved me on so many backpacking trips before. And Merrick has really started like branching into sort of more overall self-care, um, including like skincare while backpacking. And he also has a oh. Substack called the daily self. Um, and he has just put so much of his heart into 
helping people take better care of themselves. Uh, we met, especially at, on the trails, especially on the trails. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Merrick and Merrick is one of my dearest friends. Um, and then Brittany is the founder of uh, tough cutie. We have never met in person, but Brittany makes a hiking sock and, without a shadow of a doubt, they are the best hiking socks I've ever used in my life. And Brittany is also really passionate about making the outdoors more accessible, more inclusive of all folks. And I, I mean, for me, right, like I have a company that makes a, a square with a strap attached to it. And that was difficult to come up with. <laughs> I can't imagine how you would make a sock. Yeah. You socks know? are like, complicated. They're very complicated. And her socks are remarkable. And I bought a pair of them, I think about a year ago. And I just have been so impressed watching watching her like create this sock company from the ground up. And so seeing another person out there who's really thriving like that and making a cool outdoor product is pretty inspiring to me. Awesome. Those are all really good accounts. Miranda goes outside, Ralji and Tough Cutie. We'll check them out for sure. Um, and then uh, just to kind of wrap things up here, uh, what, what big things do you have coming up? What you're working on your sub stack and uh, are there other journeys we can follow you on? Yeah, I my Substack is sort of the latest thing that I've been doing, which is sort of a combination of writing and hopefully helping people on their own journey in a in a tiny little way. You know, I feel like all of us are on a journey and if I can be a little trailblaze on that path for somebody, uh, that's my biggest hope is that somehow the story of creating Kula and all the ways that I was able to sort of move in a direction of creating what I want to create, that that can serve a bigger purpose to inspire other people to do the same, right? Like it doesn't make sense if we aren't all kind of like in this together. Um, so that's, I'm really excited about the Substack, but I've been designing, um, we released a pair of hiking underwear and then my new sort of like, I don't even want to call it like, it's like a side hustle to my other business. Um, <laughs> I, I ride a motorcycle. My husband and I are really into motorcycling and I'm in the process of designing a new product for people who, who ride motorcycles. And so I'm actually kind of starting a small separate company, um, for my, <laughs> for my motorcycle product. Um, and I'm really excited about that. It has nothing to do with cool cloth and it feels like a fun creative outlet for me. That's amazing that you're you continue to find different ways to like let that creativity out and to create the products and the things that you want in the world and create them for everyone else. Yeah. And I feel pretty lucky that I get to do it every day. That's fantastic. Um so I don't know that we we've said Kula Cloth a lot, but on on online people can find you at Kula Cloth and where else? Um, at Kula Cloth or KulaCloth.com. My personal uh, Instagram is Anastasia.Allison, and if you go into the links of both of those Instagram profiles, both my personal one and the Kula Cloth one, you will be able to find the links to all of our events 
any sub stacks I've mentioned, pretty much any way to get a hold of me is on a link in my Instagram bio. <laughs> Perfect. It's a good way to get a hold of you. And um, and you are offering a discount for listeners of the podcast this week only. Correct. Yep. Yep. They can get 10% off using a code. Using code PEAKPYRO10, all caps. Um, but Anastasia, like I said, having you on the podcast has been like, I've been manifesting it for a while. I'm so thrilled that you came out, that you came on the podcast. And this has been so fantastic talking to you. Well, and I hope that you just keep like envisioning yourself as a professional podcaster and reaching out to people that you want to have on the show because one thing that I've learned over the past few years is that if you believe that it's possible, then it is. And really that's what opens the door for, for everything to come into your life. And so I'm excited for you and honored and thrilled that Kula has had like a tiny part in your story. And I just can't wait to, to cheer you on. Well, thank you. And again, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Peak Pyrography is produced by Fetty Studios and Justine Fetty. Our producer and sound engineer is Kevin Fetty. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can share comments on today's podcast or suggestions for the future on Instagram at peakpyropodcast or via email at peakpyrography at gmail.com. That's P-E-A-K-P-Y-R-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y at gmail.com. Until next time, keep creating. I can't wait to see what you make next.